All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of the Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 21 of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Segan, back with the boys. Got Dylan D. Berthium to my right, Michael Biebs Bondi to my left. An in-person show after a week or two weeks one week two weeks of, of online episodes just one just one just but then Beebs wasn't there the week before so right, yeah it's been a while we've been yeah. separated we yeah. let brock come back we Appreciate did do it. that um you're welcome brock honestly i wish he didn't uh yeah he's been telling us that every day since uh <laughs> since he was off the show so um we forced him we uh we offered him cookies and he came back i was i was thankful actually there was like no tweets that said like this show is way better without brock uh, there was. We just we we work really quick, and we you took him outside. You wouldn't yeah. cry. Yeah, your wife messaged us was like, "Hey, Brock might start crying this week," and we don't need that. So fair enough. Um, yeah. So going into Thanksgiving, we want no tears, just smiles, <laughs> and a Lions football W. Absolutely. Um. All right. Yeah. So today we're going to be talking uh, about all the positions and the top twelves at each position uh, through the first quarter of the season. Uh, identifying the players that were obviously drafted early and are playing to their potential and identifying players that were huge draft steals at the moment and just kind of trying to diagnose exactly what some of these you know first quarter breakout players can offer moving forward whether or not uh, you should you should hold on to them for the the long haul or maybe try to sell high at their current value so uh, we're going to go position by position 
read off the top 12, talk about some of the players that stand out uh, from their current ADP. So without further ado, let's go to the centers right away. And the top center, we'll go through the top 12 right now, is Connor McDavid, unsurprisingly. Uh, number two center is Nathan McKinnon. And number three is Tage Thompson. Just a reminder, this is for standard league scoring, category scoring, goals, assists, shots on goal, plus minus, and power play points. Um, so Tage Thompson, number three, he was uh, ADP 141.3. He was kind of in that collection of players that we talked about that we liked. If you were going to draft center or uh, wingers and defensemen and goalies early, you could grab uh, some centers later, and Tage Thompson was certainly on that list for us. We've got Mika Zibanejad number four center, Jack Eichel, number five, Austin Matthews, number six, Steven Stamkos, number seven. So uh, you kind of your usual expected customers, I would say, up towards the top. Um, the only outlier really being Tage Thompson. Uh, but then you've got some some players that have really had nice starts. Jack Hughes comes in at number 8, D. You must love to see that. Dylan Larkin, number 9. Elias Pettersson, number 10. Nico Heischer, who we've been talking about for weeks as somebody that you need, to, show now. you need to be picking up. Uh, he's still only 76% owned despite being the number 11 ranked uh, center right now and the number 12 is Bo Horvat so of this list there are five players that were drafted um, 94th or later you've got Tage Thompson at 141 Jack Hughes 94 Dylan Larkin 144 Nico Heischer 165 and Bo Horvat 153 this kind of reinforces our draft strategy from the preseason when we were telling you guys, you got to try to grab the wingers, the defensemen, grab the, the goalies early because the, the center position is so deep. You can get guys later that could really emerge. I don't know if we expected five of them to be in the top, you know, 12 by the quarter point of the season, but here we are. Uh, but let's start with Tage Thompson because it seems like every single night you, if you log on to Twitter, you see, H.H. Thompson highlight reel. And, and, you know, maybe it's not always a goal, but he's doing something. He's just absolutely been incredible. He's always doing something exciting. He has got some of the filthiest mitts I've ever seen for a guy that is six foot seven. Uh, but he's been on an absolute heater. 13 goals, 13 assists, 26 points in 19 games. D, we talked about Tage Thompson a little bit uh, last week, Biebs and I, and he was on pace at one, like at last week, he was on pace for like 56 goals and 53 assists. I mean, the, the numbers he's put up are just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like you said, he's been one of the trail or true steals of the, of the draft, 13 goals, 13 assists in 19 games. Um, it's tough. Cause he's one that, you know, obviously just been a, a little bit fortunate when it comes to the on ice and, and personal shooting percentage, but uh, another guy who we did have pig in the offseason looks to come to fruition, just a, a really true breakout. Um, and yeah, last year, that that 38-goal campaign, we talked about how uh, it looked pretty legit. The 15% shooting percentage was a big jump from where he was at in the first few seasons of his career. Um, but when you're talking about a guy who, you know, coming into this year, I'd played less than 200 games. Um, I would say we don't really know where their true shooting percentage lies. So to see him follow it up with a 14.1% shooting percentage and still just a, a ton of volume, just great signs all around. So while I do expect that, you know, he may not be able to continue at, at quite this limit where we're talking like Brock said, 110 point pace. Um, I, I do think like, even if you want to say, okay, his career shooting percentage at this point in time sits at 11 and a half percent. Uh, really then he's just uh, about a goal and a half above where you'd expect him to be at this point. So um, 
where that puts him at the rest of the year. Like I, I would expect him with this head start if he's healthy and continues to put up this many shots, 92 shots in 19 games on pace for almost 400 shots. <laughs> I, I think he's going to get to 50 goals. So uh, the assist is where I think it probably falls off a little bit. Um, he, you know, <laughs> I, he just doesn't play enough to shoot that much and also rack up the assist. And he's clearly just the go-to um, source of, of production on that line and, and, and for shots as well. And um, that's really the big jump that looks unsustainable with the 15% on ice shooting percentage had just 30 assists in 78 games last year. Uh, so I think that's where we'll probably see a bit of a drop off. But having said that, I, I don't think you'll get someone to pay up uh, for Thompson to be, you know, the 110 point guy. I, I think, you know, people are, are still going to be uh, a little bit hesitant to buy into him when, like I said, I think you have a legitimate 50 goal score uh, in Thompson. So just to reiterate kind of how impressive his shot volume is at this point, if he continues at this pace for the remaining 62 games of the season, He'll still he'll get to 300 shots over the next 62 games. Like he'll have a a 300 shot season from here on out. Yes. Which and even if his shot volume dips back down to or shot percentage um, dips back down to his career 11.4 percent, 300 shots over 62 games still equates to 35 goals. So you could reasonably expect you know 35 goals from this point forward, giving him 48 on the season. So. To me, like, yeah, if you've got him here, he, he's a real pillar on your team. And there's not really anybody that I would be trading him for unless you're getting an absolutely elite return. No, yeah. It's been seven games since he's been under four shots. Um, so he's just absolutely ripping it right now. 17 shots in his last two. I kind of agree. I don't think you're going to get value. Um, I think you got to let it ride because this is the type of player that wins you championships. And uh, and the reason he's ranked so high is, like we said, the shots. But, you know, that's, that's where you get the production from. And... Even if a couple of the other stats do slow down a bit, with where you draft this guy, you're still you know going to get 40 goals at least. You're going to get a point per game, and uh, and 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 people aren't going to respect the Buffalo Sabers for probably another year, year and a half, I think, fantasy wise. And while they're doing that, being dumb, you can just enjoy your 400 shot man. And uh, and, and Thompson, it's it's not like this is a fluke or a flash in the pan. If you watch the games, there's not there no one stands out anywhere close to how this guy does. Probably because he's massive, super tall. But but he do, uh, he does do something he, electric every night. It's like Jason Robertson esque. It kind of reminds me of where it's just like a big guy who's out there. Kind of looks like he's, you know, he's not like, he shouldn't be a superstar, and then he just does everything with the puck and scores a bunch. Um, yeah, and and I I mean Buffalo's kind of starting to, to make something work offensively. They can't figure out how to how to win uh, games in a in a streak at they the just, moment. They but just need they to, score. They so. just need some goaltending. Yeah. But yeah, That's no, they not do score. Years old. And, and Alex Tuck, Jeff Skinner, and Tate Thompson have been absolutely electric. Um, so yeah, I, I think we're all in agreement here. You ride this one out, you keep him. He's gonna even if he slows down a little bit, he's gonna be exceptional for the rest of the season. And um, unless you can get somebody that like is just the biggest Tate Thompson fan and wants to trade you Leon Dreisaitl for him, then you know. Yeah, like I think he'll be a top fifteen skater for the rest of the yeah. season, and I don't think you can get close to returning that just because, like we said, with the name value. So yeah, I think he's on par with like you know the. Even like the McKinnons, the uh, maybe not the dry title, but the Pasternak's, the Rantons, the Kudrov. Like I think oh, yeah. he'll be right on par with those guys the rest of the season. Maybe not quite in the top four or five skaters, but he'll be right there. And you're you're not going to get that kind of return in a trade. So. We actually have a league that doesn't record or sure doesn't have shots as a category, and he's the twelfth ranked skater in that league. So um. <laughs> which is crazy. Four hundred shot pace is just is bonkers. Um, Dylan Larkin's next. Let's talk about him really quickly because I, I feel like nobody really knows just how good Dylan Larkin's been. Uh, contract year form, 22 points in 18 games. He's actually gotten Just points in 78% night. of his games. So he's only gone four games this season without registering a point. He's just kind of doing it 
quietly on a nightly basis, getting the job done. Uh, his line mates have been kind of a revolving door, and it doesn't really seem to matter who he's who he's lined up next to. And uh, he's been really solid. Eight power play points of the 22 as well, so he's been very productive there. We talked about in the preseason. I expected David Perron to come in and be a big boost to the Red Wings power play, and that certainly um, worked very, very well, and it, it's gone a long way in, in boosting Dylan Larkin's value. But still probably somebody that you could get a decent return for, but... He's been really good too. Like, are you are you actively looking to move him? Uh, I, I don't think so. I think one of the big things that's kind of changed for him too is his defensive play this year. He hasn't finished in a an above a plus minus since his rookie season, which was almost eight years ago. And he's a plus nine this year. Um, so, and then another thing, obviously, is Dominic Kubalik, um, which ten which looks like a perfect puzzle piece for what Larkin needed. I think you said it right on the dot, Rock. Contract season. We've seen it happen before with other guys like this. Patrick Liney last season, um, and when he was healthy, and it's it, it's just it is a factor. So um, I think it's a little bit like Tage Thompson, where you know you should kind of enjoy what you have because you're not going to get that value. At the same time, though, little alarm that he only has 56 shots on goal. That's kind of where he stands out to the rest of the top 12 here. But at the same time, he's shooting at the same percentage that he did last year, basically at the same pace he did last year. Um, so it's not like he can't not do it. And he had a 31 and 38 season last season. So. Uh, you know, he's, he's on a heater right now, and uh, if you are going to move him, it would it would be right now um, that you should move him. Cause I yeah, don't, I, don't I think the one reason I would maybe look to move him a little bit is the on-ice shooting percentage at 15% yeah, is obviously pretty high. It's going to come down eventually. Uh, this isn't a team loaded with superstars by any means. They've, they've been pretty a pretty quality side, but they're so not. We can agree, too, that like Detroit's, I don't, I don't know, personally, you might know more, you watch more games, but they kind of seem to be playing better than they, they presumably should, I guess, in a way. Yeah, like I, I still don't know if this is necessarily a playoff team, but yeah. I, I think they're certainly going to flirt with the fringe throughout the. They're kind of in no man's land right now, but yeah, I think they're going to continue to score goals. And the thing is with the Red Wings is when they score goals, it's usually Dylan Larkin's line, right? That's kind of their bugaboo is that they lack depth, um, like scoring depth, and you know, so whenever they do score, fantasy. it's it's usually Dylan Larkin. But fifteen percent on ice shooting percentage is obviously very high at his current shot volume. Um, with a fourteen percent shooting percentage, you could reasonably expect him to score twenty five goals the remainder of the season. So. Certainly not in the same echelon as Tage Thompson, but um, to me, at, at the ADP that you got him, he he's you know perfect as a number two center right now on your team, and you probably drafted him as a number three. Yeah, I, I think you know the great thing about Larkin is is the consistency, um, and it's nice after a couple of down years, you know, uh, around COVID, that to see him kind of return last year to you know basically being the point per game player that he he showed to be. Uh, in 2018-19. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you, Brock, that if you just take a, a, you know, a cursory look at the underlying numbers, it, it kind of looks pretty similar to where he's been at the last couple of seasons, uh, certainly last season, and the big spike comes from that on-ice shooting percentage. So yeah, that, I, obviously we can't trust that uh, for him to keep operating around a 15% on-ice shooting percentage. It should come back down closer to 10% the rest of the way, and I think he'll still be super serviceable, but I, I think his ceiling is going to be more of what we've seen the last couple of years where he's probably tapping out around a point per game from here on out. Um, he would really have to stay fortunate with his puck luck to kind of continue to produce above a point per game like he is right now. And I think just because of uh, he's a guy who's had, you know, a lot of kind of draft stock and draft pedigree over the years, I think there's some name value there. I think people will look at him now age 26 and think this might be a legitimate breakout and maybe uh, he's kind of pushing himself into that top tier of, of point producers and, and he might be a hundred point guy. And I, I don't think that's the case. So I, I think he's worth shopping around in that regard. See if you can maybe get him for someone like uh, a Huberto, 
uh, or even a Barkov that have had a pretty slow start and whose production or whose ceiling that we just think is, is a little bit higher. Cause uh, yeah, I just don't think he's broken out in that way. I think he's still kind of that point per game guy. So worth shopping around in, in my opinion. The next name we're not really going to talk about too much just because we've talked about him at length uh, for weeks on end. We'll talk about him all day. Um, but Nico Heischer just should still just be picked up. So there's no, we're not really going to sell high on Nico Heischer when he's still floating around on the waiver wire. Uh, but Bo Horvat's obviously had just a crazy year, similar to Dylan Larkin, also in a contract year. It's crazy how this happens, eh? Um, but he's shooting 22%. Very fortunate to have 15 goals. But the, the real truth of the matter is he has 15 goals. He's among the lead leaders in goals so far this season. Currently in the NHL lead is Connor McDavid at 16. Second is Bo Horvat with 15. Jason Robertson scored again tonight to give him 15 as well. Um, Tage Thompson right there. So like Bo Horvat's been just as good at Tage Tom- as Tage Thompson in the goal scoring department. The assists certainly not there with just six. Never been a guy that picked up a lot of assists. Um, Shooting twenty two percent. This is a guy that I'm certainly trying yeah, to move. Sell like, there's the no, shit out there's of no way I'm I'm holding on to him. If I if I can move him, I'm I'm doing everything I can right now. No, absolutely. Plus, I think you can work. I think the Canucks are yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I was just about to say. That you can also work off that narrative that hey, same as Claude Giroux last year, he might go to the Colorado Avalanche. He's probably not going to the Colorado Avalanche. But you can do things like that to people. For a guy like Bo Horvat, um, Brock kind of mentioned it. He's never really been a perennial points guy. Career high is 61. Um, kind of the same same ballpark as Larkin where it's like, you know, until we've seen him do it, you might as well trade for someone who has done it. Um, and I think right now you could definitely move someone with this many goals and you can also even try to push the, hey, Vancouver hasn't been that good and look at what he's doing narrative too. So you, you got a whole bunch of stories you can lay on people while you try to trade this guy off. But if there's ever a name on the top 12, I think across all positions that we're going to see here, um, it's probably Bo Horvat that I'd be looking to, to move for that value. Yeah, I, I think like his assist totals, you just can't rely on them, which yeah. is just going to make him a super streaky player in fantasy. The goals are nice, um, but from the centerized position, like the straight center eligibility, you really want to be able to rely on someone to be a point per game guy. Um, whereas, you know, if Bo goes through a cold streak shooting the puck, like the assists are not going to be there to back him up and you'll go through weeks where you want to drop him. So, um, yeah, certainly some of that you want to shot. The shot volume has improved a little bit, but the spike in scoring has, you know, definitely come from that 22.4 shooting percentage. If you can keep the volume up and more importantly, like if he just keeps playing 22, 23 minutes a night, like he has been for the last few weeks, is that he's up to 21 yeah. minutes a night on the Career season, high, but by the way. Yeah. it's been even more than that uh, of late. Um, then I think that'll sustain the shot volume up. And he's always been uh, a guy that's converted at a really good rate, right? Career shooting percentage of 13.6%. So I do think he's going to be a good goal scorer the rest of the way. Um, and maybe with that extra ice time can maybe try to give you a goal every other game. But, you know, you're going to be susceptible to these stretches where if the puck's not going in for him and, um, you know, that shooting percentage bounce back the other way at all, uh, he's really not going to be contributing much at all to your fantasy team. So it's a guy that, like you said, definitely, definitely looking to cash in on. Like you've got... Uh, you can trade him here with absolutely no regrets because um, there's almost certainly no chance he continues to shoot at a 22% clip. Uh, and like we said, the assists aren't just going to be there. Uh, it's a lot like Chris Kreider last season. Kreider was able to keep it going, at, not at 22, but pretty damn close for a lot of the season. But uh, even Kreider had flashed some, uh, you know, some more or, or better upside than what we've seen from Bo Harvat prior to this season. So um, he'd have to run pretty hot to have a season like Kreider did. He's, he's off to a pretty crazy start. But yeah, definitely one that you just need to look to cash in on. Yeah, I was going to say, he also has 19 of those goals in the last two years just on the power play. So if he kind of, if he were to in, in any way work himself out of that, being that number one goal option on the power play, his, his fantasy value is, is, is gone. 
Um, not gone, but it's it's a lot. It drops a little bit quicker. Well, yeah, if you're not scoring the power play, you're, you're and certainly that's the only place he's scoring. So yeah. All right, those are the centers. Jason Robertson, we just talked about him being towards the NHL lead in goals as well at That's left good. wing. He currently comes into Thursday or Wednesday, was the number one ranked left winger. Added another goal so far tonight. Number two left winger, Leon Dreisaitl. So that is just how good Jason Robertson has been. Number three left winger is probably my favorite player on this entire list. <laughs> Dominic Kubelik somehow yeah. climbed into the top three left winger. Absolutely bonkers, the, the start that he's had. He was undrafted this offseason. Of course. Yeah, understandably. Not, As he should have been. Yeah. Not entirely surprising. But yeah, he's been a, a revelation for the Red Wings of late. Chris Kreider moves into number four. Uh, you know what? There. To be honest with you, we were looking <laughs> nails at the start of the season saying this guy's you know a bust at his ADP, which was 26.8. I still feel confident in saying that he was. Yeah. Uh, but he's heated up. He's got 13 points in his last 12 games, including seven goals. So just after Chris does, wait till he cools down. Yeah, he goes through another eight game stretch where he's just ice. But Kirill Kaprizov, the fifth ranked left winger, Andre Svechnikov, Jamie Benn at seven, Ryan Nugent Hopkins at eight, Cole Caulfield at nine, Brady TK at ten, Artemi Panarin at eleven, Anders Lee at twelve. So for the most part, I, I think that again, this kind of re reinforces what we said in the offseason about draft the, the good wingers early and, and get your centers later because for the most part those those top end left wingers that you would have grabbed yeah. are all doing their job right Leon's up there Kaprizov's up there Panarin's up there um Kachuk's up there Svechnikov like they're all where they should be yeah. Yeah. um obviously there are some outliers we talked about Big Ryan Dom. Nugent Hopkins a lot in the offseason um about how we really liked his value at 148. He's popped. We didn't talk about Jamie Benn too much. And like, we're not really going to diagnose these left wingers too much because I don't think that there's a whole lot of trade value here. I don't think, like, if you could maybe move Jamie Benn, then by all means, I, I think that that would be a great move. He's only playing, you know, 13, 14, 15 minutes a night. He's shooting 19.5%. His on-ice shooting percentage is 15.6. I mean, he's been extremely fortunate to get to the point that he has so far this season, but I just don't think you're going to get a whole lot in return. Obviously, if you're in a family league and your your uncle doesn't pay as much attention <laughs> and he still thinks right. that Jamie Benn is elite and, and you know, it's Burn him at the Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, Burn exactly. Get, give him a couple whiskeys, and maybe you can <laughs> fire over uh, Jamie Ben his way. But get the Cowboys just, game on. Like you guys agree, right? Like there's not like to me, he might be a nice add-on. Like he might be yeah. a very nice filler to a trade. Maybe we're giving the general fantasy hockey public too much credit here, but yeah, I would I would think that most people are able to sniff this one out. But definitely, if you're able to get really anything in return, that <laughs> any guy that you feel confident, you know, that is going to be worth holding on to your roster for the course of the season. So you know, take that as you may for whatever the rules of your league may be. For me, that's like a seventy, you know, thirty thirty guy or or above seventy point guy. Um, so anyone you know towards the uh, like I said that you could fit towards the bottom of your fantasy roster. Maybe a guy like Debrinkat, who's off to a slower start, or Batherson in Ottawa, um, even Stutzel. Like there, there's a lot of guys with upside that you could go after that haven't quite gotten off to such a hot start uh, that you might be able to flip Ben for. I, you know, I, I don't think you could probably get much more than that, but um, there definitely are some options out there that will be better than a guy that, you know, once he cools off, he's not going to be worth owning because he's just simply not playing enough. Yeah. Like, like to me, somebody that stands out is somebody like maybe a Zach Hyman playing with McDavid, playing with Dreisaitl, yeah. probably going to be a little bit more, um, 
you know, be able to maintain what he's done thus far a little bit better. And his numbers don't stand out quite as much. Anders Lee's in the same boat. You're not really going to get a whole heck of a lot in return for him. Uh, Jamie Benn as well is still just only 75% owned. Um, so it's going to be, you know, that's also makes it a little bit more difficult to trade. People are just yeah willing to grab a guy that is available in 25% of leagues. Lee is just 72% owned. Um, Cole Caulfield's somebody to me that I'm still looking to trade high on or sell high on. I don't think that any of us really have ever been super high. Like, I, I think he's a good hockey player. He's a great goal scorer. But the underlying numbers for this team is just, for that line specifically, is just so bad. And they just keep converting. Like, obviously, he's a great shooter, so he's going to convert at a higher rate. But I just, I don't know. The 15% shooting percentage, I think he could probably maintain that or close to that. Um, you know, 77 shots in 19 games is awesome. The 15% on a shooting percentage is, is alarming to me. And to me, like... I think that he probably carries quite a bit of name value, right? Like, I yes. think a lot of people do really like this kid. Yeah. Four shots a game is great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. So, if you end up keeping him, I think it's fine. I just think that you could probably get more for him than you should. Would you guys agree with that? 100%. Yeah, and I, I think the big point that, you know, you I think you kind of touched on is just the assists in general. That That's where I think the production is going to be really inconsistent. Um I, you know, I don't think there's enough goal scorers playing with him. And again, he's clearly just the first option on that line. Um, and he's always looking to shoot. So yeah, I, I think the 20 assists we saw over 67 games last year, there's not a lot in the underlying numbers that suggest that should really improve. So the eight through 19, even with a 15 on ice uh, or 50% on ice shooting percentage, that's the concern, right? Like I think we could end up with a stat line um, kind of similar to maybe Anders Lee, not maybe of the last couple of years, but before that, where he was kind of consistently like between 30 and 40 goals, but only, you know, maxing out around 20 assists, 25 assists, which can really cap the upside. Uh, and, you know, really hurts the consistency more than anything because the goals are, are always going to be with streaky. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, the goal scoring, though, needs to kind of be, uh, I, I don't want to understate that because, like you said, the shot volume is really consistent and he looks and, and has always looked like he's got a fantastic shot. So, I'm not that skeptical that he can't keep up the 15% shooting percentage, like you said. Um, but yeah, just uh, you got to kind of be weary of um, the fact that there are going to be a lot of goals here the rest of the year, but the assists are going to both cap the upside and also make him a, a pretty streaky score. Yeah, like like and going back to what I'm saying about the underlying numbers, I mean, this is a line that's only averaging 20 scoring chances for per 60. Like it's just when you factor that into like that makes the assist seem even less sustainable, right? Like he seems to be the only guy that's able to score on this line and it's going to be difficult um, for them to continue to maintain this pace. Would you rather have Cole Caulfield or Debrinkat at rest of season? Debrinkat. Yeah. I definitely like, I think and that, that's a trade that you could, you could make for sure easily right now. Cause Debrinkat certainly has not been, um, you know, as good as we expected. I, I don't think, you know, we can, we talked about it a lot in the offseason. You can't understate how important playing with Patrick Kane is. Uh, but Debrinkat is shooting just 7.8%. He's a career 15% shooter. He's firing the puck, you know, not quite as much as Caulfield. But uh, I, I do think that, you know, his assist production is a little bit more sustainable. Uh, his on-ice shoot percentage is 9.6%. Like, there's a lot more. Um, it, it looks a lot better for Yeah, I think him. I think his assist production will be a lot better than Caulfield's and the goal production will probably be pretty similar the rest yeah. of the way. You would think, like you would expect it to bounce back, but I, you do need to kind of point out with the Brinkat that he did have that full season in 2019-20 where he shot 8.7%. So uh, he's not totally immune to these to these long droughts, but every other season aside from that, 
Uh, he's been one of the top converters in the league in terms of shooting percentage. So you, you want to bet on a good shooter to, to shoot well. <laughs> but uh, it is a little bit more concerning when they have a track record of just going cold for you know the better part of a, a full season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins would be the last one we need to talk about. I don't think it's anything too crazy. He doesn't shoot a ton. Uh, the nine goals is, is definitely surprising, shooting 18.8% only on 48 shots. On a sh- shooting percentage is 146 uh, obviously he's going to be able to maintain a little bit of a higher shooting percentage or on a shooting percentage with McDavid, Dreisaitl. Yeah. And when um, you're shooting 18% yourself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he's another name that I don't think you're going to be able to really move for too much. Maybe you could trade him to the to the McDavid or Dreisaitl owner and, and pick up something half decent in return. But certainly not a guy that carries a ton of value. But very nice sleeper picks there across the board. We weren't really on Ben or Honors Lee, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins for sure. Right wingers, you guys gave me some flack about David Pasternak. I'm not going to let you forget it, although I was wrong on a couple of other guys on this list, so I'm not going to completely rub that one in. But David Pasternak, I had ranked higher than you guys. You guys hated me for it. I think I said he could win the Rocket. <laughs> I think he's getting a bit aggressive with these terms. But yeah. yeah, Close. <laughs> Regardless. A little bit of revisionist yeah. history here. but He's like Michael Jordan. He's making a story. And Go on. He's, he's, yeah. Number one ranked right winger right now. He was an ADP of 24.9. Right behind him, though, Nikita Kucherov, Miko Rannan, Matt Kachuk. So again... Just continues to reinforce, and I, and I don't want to not keep saying this because I want it to be drilled into the the listeners' heads. Because when they go to the draft tables next year, they're gonna be like, "Man, I remember that the top left wingers and right wingers were all at the top of the list. Still, they're good. The centers are deep. I gotta draft the wingers early, get the centers late, and we're just gonna remind them, just yes. slowly remind until it's just become second nature. Also, when you drop name number five, it's gonna remind people that friends of the show are quite good. Friends of the show, yes, for Brat. Also, me and Biebs had him ranked at five in our right wing rankings before the season. You had him at three, so he was so much higher. Than so I much higher. Yeah, that's higher. That's yeah. a big difference. We both had Marner and Makachuk ahead of him, and you did not. Who are both uh, in the top twelve? So yeah, we're, we're, we're close. We're, Number five, yes, fine. Number six, Timo Meyer, and I think the Timo Meyer thing is hilarious because how many questions did we get about him at the start of the season we're yeah. like just hold on it's Friend gonna get better well. and boy oh boy has it ever he's moved all the way up to the number six right winger number seven i can't joe- believe his shooting percentage just regressed like that eh? that isn't that weird how that crazy, works man. yeah uh joe pavelski number seven william nylander number eight d i believe william nylander was your not maybe not your breakout i was but somebody no, that i was you- higher on him hold yeah. on i got the rankings right here yeah, I had him at 8. You guys had him at 11 and 12. So Martin Etchass, number 9. I don't know where he ends up. Is it 8? Do I have him right on? Yep, so oh far. Oh, my God. Stop the count. Stop the count. End I the nailed season. it. Martin Etchass, number 9. Mitch Marner, number 10. Jake DeBrus, number 11. Alex Tuck, number 12. So I think we all had Nate at number 9. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. Well, yeah, we all knew he was going to get five extra minutes a night and, yeah. and play with Aho. Yes. We knew that was going to happen. For sure. Um, yes, but Brad's really the only one. That you could maybe really trade for something you want tangible to trade right our now? boy. I'm yes not. I'm, I'm totally kidding. I we're, do too. we're doing an exercise here. All I right. Do too. He's got 24 <laughs> points in 19 games so far this season. Uh, he's been a dynamite on the power play as well. Nine of his 24 points have come on the power play. Sixteen uh, percent shooting percentage is is a little bit higher than his career average. On a shooting percentage, 12 percent. That's probably going to be something that's pretty maintainable yeah. while you're uh, playing with Jack Hughes, We're while you're playing with Nico Heischer, the team that just dominates every single night. To me, like you'd have to get a, a super elite return here uh, for Jesper Bratt for me to move him. Like 
you know, some of our favorites on this list, if we're talking like kind of like a, a lateral move here at right wing, like I would still move him for Mitch Marner. I would still move him for Timo Meyer, but like you'd have to for get sure. that level of a return to even consider it. He's really, um, him and Tage Thompson are very similar, right? What about William Nylander? Mm-hmm. I think I think I would probably still consider it. I'd have to do a little bit of a deeper dive. Like N- Nylander right now playing with Matthews is certainly interesting, but yeah, um, juicy. Like what, what yes, about, but, like Connor, you could probably, you could probably Kyle still Connor. Yes, Connor, I yeah. would. Too, I do that for sure. Um, but that's about it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, Tage Thompson and Jesper Bratt were outstanding last year and just didn't obviously get the respect of the fantasy community and people didn't think that this was something that they could maintain and they've both um, proved the doubters wrong in that regard and Brad like I said 24 points in 19 games but unless you're getting an elite return there's no sense moving this guy yeah well it's just scary when like exactly those type of players right like they come out and have a season where from every sort of perspective like the underlying numbers the hard production the the role they're taking on their team they just look like an entirely different player than they've ever looked before and that they've ever been touted to be before right so um it makes it really hard to buy into them after just one season of you know um what can look like an anomaly when you're just looking at it uh as being you know just like that one breakout season but yeah certainly uh just like tage another guy who just looks to have proven every little bit that last year not only was legit, but is probably just a step onto their true breakout. Like I think unlike Larkin, like Brat to me looks like a guy who has taken that next step. I talked about how Larkin, I, I think will settle back around a point per game. I think Brat with his game where it's at, the fact that he's still just at 17 minutes a night, like there's room for that to grow too. And just with how great that team is playing and the amount of options he looks to have to play with in that top six. Like when you have two dynamite centers down the middle and he sure and Hughes, like there's no bad spot for Brat to end up on that lineup. There's no worry about him falling anywhere because uh, you know he's going to be playing with one of those two guys. So I, I just think his production is going to be so solid, and I, I really do think everything he's flashed to this point is legit. And I think there's you know real 90, 95-point upside here. Um, so yeah, be super, super hesitant to move him. But I would look at trading him for someone who's maybe a little bit more goal-heavy because I, I think that he's going to continue to be a pass for his guy. I don't think he shoots quite enough um, to really push himself above like a, a 30, 35 goal pace. Yeah, and even like I think people are riding that narrative of a of maybe you know this is a flash in the pan or this isn't there, but he's it's been ninety five games in the last two years and he's at ninety six points, um, so he's getting to that point where it's like you know we're getting the triple digits point per game player. This is real. Um, like you said though, he's always going to be in that top six and he's always going to be with one of those two elite elite centers. Um, this thirteen game win streak is no joke it's likely going to end tonight and I can realistically see them going on another, you know, nine, 10 game win streak. If they're playing like this, just everything seems to gel. Everything seems to flow and it's going through Brat. As you mentioned though, it's the goals. He's not the primary goal scorer, even on power plays. It's going to be Jack Hughes. It's even going to be Dougie Hamilton above him taking shots on power plays. So um, as great as those options are around him, if you do need goals, are you playing in a league where where it's a little more goal heavy? um, Brat's a good option, but he he does fill both wings, I believe. So he's, he's a nice little pick. And uh, likely you snagged him late in your draft. So um, yeah, ADP was one twenty four. Yeah, and then unless you're just a, f- a fan of the show and you got him uh, pre one hundo as you should have. No, just kidding. But uh, what a, what what a great pick. Um, and to be in the top five this year, it's something that doesn't seem like it's gonna really slow down. But we might be looking at you know a Mitch Marner esque uh, number type season where it's thirty goals, sixty assists, flirting with a hundo. Um, we could see it. And uh, and like D said, a couple injuries. 
he gets more than 17 minutes a night, and we could be looking at uh, even better production, which is kind of crazy. So. Yeah, that's the only thing that holds them back is they really like to balance out the minutes on that team, and they've got three, four really good lines, so there's no reason not to. But anyways, let's fire it over to the Blue Stones really quick. When we get back, we'll talk about the defensemen, the goalies, and D's weekend streamers. So enjoy the Blue Stones. We'll see you back here in 60 seconds. D's weekend streamers. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I die. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. I fly low like a broken arrow. The time slows and my vision arrows. I'm out of money, I'm out of time. Sing your hearts out, sing it loud. Make me happy, make me proud. Black holes, solid ground. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 8, Episode 21 of the Daily Faceoff Fantasy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dylan Berthium. Hope you guys enjoyed those licks from the Blue Stones. Check out their new album, uh, Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to music, you can listen to the Blue Stones. Um, so yeah, we're gonna get right back into it now. 
Uh, Brock is going to take us through the defensemen and the attendees, and then we'll walk you guys through the streamers, which are pretty non-existent this weekend due to uh, Thanksgiving, throwing a wrench into the schedule. But uh, we'll go through them nonetheless. Uh, but yeah, top 12 fantasy defensemen so far, Brock. Who do you want to talk about? Number one on the list is Rossmus Dahlin from the Buffalo Sabres. Number two, Eric Carlson which is just absolutely wild. Uh, but yeah, Darlene, 81.3 ADP. He's been a great value. We talked about Carlson as one of our sleepers in the preseason, 140 ADP. He's the number two defenseman overall. Kale McCarr comes in at three, followed by another one of our sleepers, Dougie Hamilton. So, so far, absolutely nailed the defenseman. And wait for it. We're going to get to another one by the, get the bottom of the list here. Adam Fox comes in at number five, 17.1 ADP. Hampus Lindholm, who's obviously cooled off, but did a very uh, good job filling in for um, Charlie McAvoy to start the season. Still rated as the number six fantasy defenseman on the season. Alex Petrangelo, uh, lately at least, has just been absolutely fantastic. Comes in at number seven. Brandon Montour, who a lot of people were asking questions about, you know, would he still be productive once... Um, Aaron Ekblad returns, and the answer is a resounding yes. They are still together on the top power play unit, and there's really no reason. Um, you know, people were like, should I drop him? And like, absolutely not. He's been outstanding. Roman Yossi, very, very slow start. We talked about how we would definitely want to be trading for him, and he has heated up in a big, big way in the last couple of weeks. So he's already now up to number nine, fantasy defenseman. Then you got Brent Burns, Gustav Forsling, and Mikhail Sergachev, 10, 11, and 12. Gustav Forsling was... <laughs> Biebs' breakout out of nowhere, and he's been absolutely awesome as well. Out of nowhere. It's out of this brain, baby. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of a lot of defensemen, obviously, <laughs> that were drafted late. It's kind of just like where defensemen go if you're not getting the elite guys. So, there's not really a whole lot to talk about in terms of, you know, selling high on a defenseman. Obviously, you can trade somebody like Carlson. We said we wouldn't trade Darlene a couple weeks ago, so we're not going to go I said over. I would offer him for McCarr. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I, I don't, that's it. I don't know if we really need to Still rehash the Darlene-Carlson argument. Dougie Hamilton, I don't think any of us would really be interested in trading. You just yeah. got great draft day value. He's going to be an yeah. elite defenseman. I, I think we can talk about Carlson a little bit more because I have seen a lot of trades with Carlson going on. But, um, yeah, because he is a tricky one because I, I think I, we did talk about it a couple weeks ago, to be fair, but... Um, he's really difficult to project because he's off to a pretty ridiculous start and he's obviously been super, super fortunate. He's got a 12.9 on ice, 16.2 personal shooting percentage, which is just astronomical from the back end. Um, so yeah, there's obviously a ton of regression there, but at the same time, he's got 29 points in 21 games. So there's a lot of room for that uh, production to fall off and still be amongst the very best in the game from the blue line. So he's tied for the NHL lead in even strength goals. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's insane. Certainly a guy that you could potentially sell high on because you know he was a guy that for five or six years was the best defenseman in fantasy hockey or right up there with Brent Burns anyway, probably the one A one B. So uh, yeah, it's a tricky one for me. I would still just be sending out offers for Yossi and above. So like Yossi, Fox, Makar, Hedman, and then that's probably about it. Just mm-hmm. because Darlene. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah Rasmus yeah. is a dog. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, think I think Carlson, redraft leagues, is also a dog. So uh, I would be hesitant Both to... Both dogs. Yeah, I would be hesitant to move him just because, you know, he's obviously not going to keep this up just because yeah. there's so much room for him to fall and, like I said, still be a top five fantasy D-man. So I would be shopping him around for the very best names on the blue line or maybe a top-tier winger if you've already got a, a lot of depth and strength on the blue line. Uh, but that's about it. I, w- I would be, you know, I would stay steer short of, I guess, just absolutely selling them off at all costs because, you know, the value is never going to be higher. Yeah. Like I talked about it when we talked about him a couple weeks ago and I said, I would certainly be, I would move him for Roman Yossi just because of, yeah. you know, I, I think that obviously 
the main concern really with Carlson is got to be health. Obviously, he's been 100% healthy so far this season, but it's not really been a track record that uh, is very clean for him in the last few years. So that is just my biggest concern. The Sharks, they're scoring goals. They, they, they've played pretty well as of late, too. That was a concern, but they've actually turned things around a little bit lately, too. So, you know, if they get that power play going at all, like, I mean, he's got one power play goal, five power play assists. If that starts clicking a little bit more, like, he, yeah. his fantasy numbers could honestly improve somehow like yeah, obviously yeah. he's not going to shoot 16 percent the on ice shooting percentage as you mentioned 12.9 is going to come down as well but yeah. well if you get an elite defenseman for him like it's i'd find i just there's the other guys i just feel more comfortable with i i agree i mean it, it's it's kind of bonkers that the league's leading defensive point getter also comes from a team that ranks in the bottom 10 in both shots per game and goals per game because um, they are currently 27th in shots per game, just below 30 a game, and then 23rd in goals per game with only 2.9 per game. It's average. literally and like if, if he doesn't score or Timo Meyer doesn't score, they don't yeah. score. <laughs> Which is, uh, that's a scary thing, because when we're talking about guys who are playing for Florida um, and are just, you know, like, like we're talking about their second and third best D-man, who obviously played in higher-up roles, who are coming in here, they're obviously getting these side points from, uh, you know, the fact that their team actually scores goals that they don't necessarily have to be involved in all 80% of them. Um, yeah, like you said, I think there's a couple other nice names here that uh, that slide in a little bit better if you can get that deal. And I honestly think you could you could pull off like a Carlson for Darlene or Carlson for Makar in the right league if, it, if it's someone who, who really is kind of newer to fantasy hockey. You could um, probably get Makar... Yeah, if you like, obviously added a forward for a forward or something, and downgraded a little bit at forward, but like you could legitimately pro- like get McCarr. I think yeah. you could. Yeah. Oh, 100 uh, percent. Especially with redraft leagues, with how quick people are to respond to things. Um, yeah, like I don't think that you're going to be able to yeah. make that move in a keeper league, yeah. but in redraft leagues, and I think I also think like McCarr's it's not out of the question. Kind of at like his lowest point right now. We said a sure, couple yeah. weeks ago too, like you could probably get Yossi plus for him. Like, Pro- it, yeah. Which is. I don't know I'll, if it would I'll, be as easy now because yeah. he's really heating up. A little but. bit, but I, I still think you could. Like, you could get a sweet, at least like a, a sweetener thrown mm-hmm. in there, right? Like some sort of value added to your roster. Um, on top of that, and maybe you get someone that you feel a little bit safer about. But yeah, he is a really tricky one to, to project. And um, so I'm a little bit, like I said, just hesitant to say sell high because I do think, yeah, the value, it will not be higher, but I also think there's a really good chance that he finishes the season as a top five fantasy demon. The one guy I, I do think you could. I like I really want to try to sell high on I think is Mikhail Sergachev. Uh four goals, fourteen assists, eighteen points. He shot twelve point one percent so far. On a shooting percentage is, is a very sustainable ten percent. He is on the Lightning's top power play unit. Um he really hasn't done a whole lot with it. Like his numbers are inflated by a four point game that he had, two goals, two assists against the Capitals. But like outside of that, which obviously taking out a four point game isn't entirely fair but sure. outside of that he's only got four points in his last seven games which is still good but it's not like elite elite defenseman level um which i think you could probably get a really nice return especially with him right now being on the top power play unit you have to imagine with the success that they've had with victor Hedman in that role in the past that he's probably gonna find his way back up there at some point you would think like i, I don't <laughs> know if it's an attempt to maybe limit Hedman's minutes a little bit, right? Scales minutes back a, a tad. Um, I think but they're you, just trying to help us fantasy owners out. They're like, hey, you know what? You could never trade for Hedman in previous years. We're gonna we're gonna make it time now. No, I've actually fielded a few questions like, hey guys, now that Hedman's off that power play, is he droppable in an eight team league or is he droppable in a ten team league? No, no, he, he'll be back. Yeah, um, that's why I think like yeah. he will be back, and 
Sergachev is somebody that I would be trying to to move right now. I still don't think he carries an exceptionally high trade value, but you know, to the right owner, I think that he probably you could get a really nice return. You could probably just do a headman for Sergey deal um, and see see what they do. Um, and I'm allowed to call him Sergey because he's a Windsor alert. Um, but yeah, no, you you, you could That's how it works. you could probably try to do that, or, or almost like we were saying with uh, if you were to try to pull off a Carlson McCarty, I'll just toss a little sweetener in there, toss Jamie Ben in there, you know, those type of guys. Like make what that about improvement? John Carlson, five goals, six assists right now. Like that would oh, be the type of sure. move that you might be able to make. Yeah, right John now. Carlson's a fantasy stud. I believe he's like top three in the last five years. Yeah, in very slow start so far end, this season. So. Obviously, some injuries as well, but yeah. that might be a trade that you could potentially pull off. You know, if if owners are panicking. So, um, not too many defensemen you're going to be able to sell super high on. So let's move on to the goalies where, you know, we say every year they're absolute voodoo, and that has certainly been the case this year. Uh, the number one goalie right now, Linus Allmark from the Boston Bruins. He had an ADP of 148.3. Number two goalie, Connor Hellebuck. Number three, Logan Thompson. Number four, Alexander Georgiev. We did not get that one right. Uh, Jake Ottinger, number five. Vitek Vanasek, number six. Ilya Sorokin, seven. Igor Shosturkin, eight. Vili Huso, nine. Added another shout-out tonight. Martin Jones, 10, undrafted in the regular season. And then you've got Spencer Knight at 11, Jordan Bennington at 12. Again, this was all coming into tonight. Bennington had a bit of a tough night. Uh, Hellebuck had a bit of a tough night. That's pretty much it. And Huso had a shout-out. Outside of that, a lot of these games haven't started yet. So, um, yeah, like, uh, to me, with with Swayman back... um, I think that you could probably move Allmark. Um, I don't know if you'd want to. Like, he's still probably going to start 50% of the games for one of the best teams yeah. in the league. Uh, with where you got him in the draft, I don't think selling him high is really something that you need to do. Like, I don't think that they're going to win 17 of 19 games the rest of the season like they had coming into tonight. But with where you drafted him, he's likely your number three goalie. Like you, yeah. you said, he's your number three goalie in a league this. with Shesterkin and... Well, that, that's what I was in say, a situation right? like that, maybe. Yeah, that, that's what I said. A team like Beavs is, and it's probably a lot of teams like this, where if you know you just picked him up as a bonus, and you know you weren't looking for him to save your goaltender situation, then yeah, you'd be someone I'm looking to trade because you know workhorse tendies on uh, good hockey teams are like gold in fantasy hockey. Uh, and there's a chance that Allmark is that, but there's also a good chance that he's not now yeah. that Swayman's Swayman also got lit up again tonight. Like, Swayman's not been great. Swayman it's reminds true. me of Bobrovsky. It's like you're watching Knight put up these great performances, and then you're like, all right, he's going to take one back here. And he might have one good one, but then every second and third starts just a pile of trash. Yeah. I, I do think Swayman's still going to get oh. his because, like, you yeah. know. He was great last year. And, you know, like, they, he's the goalie of the future, right? Like, they don't want him to sit there backing him up for however long. Like I think they got two more years left on Linus. Um, yeah. yeah, after this year, yeah. Exactly. So, I, you know, I don't, I, I still think that even if he struggles, like he's going to play more than the average backup. Maybe he doesn't get up to the straight split like it was last year when he played 41 games. But yeah, I think he's going to continue to be a factor and, and people are going to look at Allmark and what he's done this year and think he's going to be on that level with, uh, you know, the Shesterkins of Ashleski or even like a guy like Kellebuck who's just going to be the workhorse on what is a pretty good team and, and, and you know, they're going to be stealing games themselves. So, yeah, I don't think Allmark's quite that. So I think it makes sense to look for him, uh, to look for possible trades to move him. But at the same time, like, uh, it's tough to get goalies back in trades as well. So if you, if, you know, if he's kind of saving your situation or he's been, you know, your lead in that, I, I'd be a little bit more hesitant to, to move him. Cause however often he does play, whenever he's in there, he's going to be uh, yeah. a really valuable piece. And I think, you know, at the start of the season, we talked about how this was likely going to be like a dead 50, 50 split. 
where with how well he's played, he's certainly separated himself at least a little bit from Swayman. And I think that, you know, it, it could be closer to a 60-40 yeah. at this point. So he carries a ton of value. And obviously his numbers to date makes him a, a pretty easy person to trade. So yeah, like if he's saved your season, I agree, you probably need him to continue to save your season. But if you're in a situation like Beebs, you could get a, a, a hefty return for him. I think though right now too, though, not, not to cut you off, nope. um, is it not a great time to go after Swayman and try to have that goaltending tandem? I think that a lot of people, myself included, I have Swayman in another league right now. I'm sitting there. It's a keeper league. That's the only reason he's still on my roster. <laughs> um, and if it's someone like that, there's a lot of people who give you Swayman for marbles. Even though Swayman is not playing great, if you can start someone, as Brock mentioned, on Boston, who's won 17 of 19 games, if you're getting 17 of 19 wins off both two of your three or four goalies, that's pretty pretty good. So that might be a strategy you look to attack there. Um, yeah. I, I don't disagree. I, I think Swayman can be a pretty decent buy-low option. I mean, I don't think we're... We don't need him to be amazing to win games in Boston. Like, no. He doesn't have to be amazing. Like, even this year so far, he's won... He, coming in tonight, he got lit up tonight, but he had won three of his four starts with an 890 save percentage. So, he's going to get you Ws for sure. I think definitely a buy-low candidate in, in points leagues where maybe an ugly save percentage might not hurt you quite as bad. Right. Because, um, I mean, like, even Carvel Melka is, is, is super good in a points league. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I think Swayman's a decent buy-low. What about you, Beebs? Or D? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, especially if I have all Mark, like I, I think it would be ideal to just cuff that situation up and then and then you know you got it locked up. But, um, yeah, so I, I think ideally they, they would work best together because I don't know how this is going to fall out. There's so many different ways it could play out. Um, so it's uh be interesting to see because, yeah, like obviously they want to give Swayman games and Allmark has never been uh, a lead number one, right? Like the most games he's ever played in a single season was last year, 41. So... Uh, I would, uh, I would expect that even if he does see that increase, it's not going to continue at the rate it's been. Like, I don't think they thought that it would be an ideal, uh, solution for him to be leading the league in, in appearances like he is so far, but we'll see how it plays out. Cause he's been fantastic. So. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Kincaid being the third string goaltender there coming in when Swayman was hurt, uh, you know, kind of didn't hurt all marks. Exactly. Starts. Um, no, I, I think it's just kind of part of league tradition that a, a Buffalo Sabres goalie has to leave the Sabres and then within two years go out and win a Vesna because we got to see it from uh, Robin Lehner a few years ago there. Uh, did, he, did he win one or he was right in the final um, final. Yeah, I do not believe three. he won. So that's all. That's all you got to do. So um, he won a Jennings, and then he had uh, a couple of years where he was nominated, or he had the year he was nominated for the Vesna with with uh, the Blackhawks in the uh, Golden Knights. That, 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 that was the one. The Jennings, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one. So uh, Allmark following the same path. No, also was nominated for the Vesna when he was with the Islanders. Damn, he's uh, yeah. But uh, we're no Allmark. All, 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 yeah, Allmark trade. Forgot but, yeah. about Robin Leader. <laughs> he, uh, like, I got him stashed on an IR in a keeper league, so that's why I'm reminded every time when I, I get excited, being like, "Oh, I have Vegas's goalie to put in," and then it's the guy in the IR. Speaking so. of Vegas's goalie, Logan Thompson, the number three ranked goalie. Um, to me, again, like Hellebuck is probably your low end number one. Is is how you drafted him. He's doing exactly what you wanted from him. Um, I, th- you know, stay stay the course with with Hellebuck. In my opinion, Thompson. Um. I think that team's probably played similar to Boston, like a little bit better than obviously they're yeah. not going to win, you know, 15 out of 20 games or whatever they have so far. But Thompson's looked awesome. Um, he's been a little bit leakier lately. Aiden Hill's been really good. I, I think that, you know, for the right price, I, I would be okay moving Thompson in a redraft league keeper. I think he's still, you know, fine. Um, but yeah, he hasn't been, in t- you know, this, the most consistent, but similar to the, the Boston guys, like he doesn't have to be great on most nights to to win hockey games for the 
um, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. So 240 goals against, 920 save percentage, you know, 10 wins and 13 starts has been, you know, awesome. Yeah, Calder favorite at the moment, I do believe, because no real forwards are running away with it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the one thing that's going to hurt him is just the play of Aiden Hill, who's, who's just played incredible since he's got there. They both played well. Um, so when one falters, the other one's going to jump in. And, and I think you can move Thompson for a couple of other names that are on here. Um, like Sorokin being four spots back. I mean, that's a no doubter. Well, this is the one name that sticks out to me that like, I think we need to at least bring up because when, if you're talking about selling guys high, you got to kind of be talking about buying guys low here at the same time. And I think um, Andre Vasilevsky is really kind of a guy that falls into oh, that boat, right? Sure. Like yeah. he, you know, I don't know if, if Logan Thompson straight up for uh, Andre Vasilevsky is going to get the job done, but Vasilevsky right now, a 3.0 goals against average, 903 save percentage. He really has not been very good. Um, he's trending up a little bit, and then he gets lit up by the, the Bruins. Like, I don't, again, I don't think Logan Thompson straight up for Vasilevsky is something that's going to work right now. But if any of these guys, if you're trading any of these guys, I think you can get a Vasilevsky return. Yeah. Well, maybe. Something in there anyway. Yeah, exactly. You might have to package something together. But it's a starting point. And and Thompson is one I would definitely be looking to move just because I think there's so many potential routes that that Tendy situation could play out for the course of the year that results in him not being the starting goalie. Like it could be that he gets played by Hill, it could be that he gets injured, or there could be a, uh, a third goalie that's not in the organization yet that comes into the picture. At well, some point, Laurent right? Brassois got waived and cleared waivers. And now he's in the AHL. Like he's still a pretty yeah. At this rate, Magnus Helberg's going to play for every team in the league, so he's going to come. Yeah, on and I just just how McPhee has run that team since they've been in the league. Like pretty I, I, I would, and I would expect that if this team is still in playoff contention around the deadline, like they'll move for a goalie if they're not feeling, you know, like, like Logan Thompson is on the same level as the goaltending they've had there in the past during their playoff stretches. So uh, I would, it would not surprise me at all if that happens. So yeah, I just think there's a lot of, uh, like I said, potential routes for that tiny situation to play out that doesn't result in, or doesn't play out in Logan Thompson's favor. So yeah, he's one that I would be looking to move, and especially just because his own play has definitely faltered of late after that hot start he got out to. Yeah, so like his overall numbers still look incredible, but his first seven starts of the season, he had a 938 save percentage. His last six starts, he has a 902 save percentage. So still won five of six games, so he's obviously very serviceable because that's a uh, very good team. But, you know, the, the trend isn't great, and if he ends up being closer to a 905 than a 930, then... Yeah, he's probably yeah. not going to continue to start as many games as he has to this point. Yeah, and there's not a whole lot of track record to go off of. So, I, you know, we this could be a take that ages poorly. But for me, like, his value is the fact that he's Vegas' starting goalie. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's that's kind of a shaky situation. So that's why I'd be looking to move him. Alexander Georgiev's been awesome Nails. Uh, Nails. For, for the Avalanche. Francois has been quite good as of late as well. Um, but this, you know, even... They don't care. They, they don't they, care, so we shouldn't care. No. That's they, where I'm at on have, that situation. Yeah, and they've come out and said it on multiple occasions. Like, this is our number one guy. They, they keep reinforcing it. Like, if Gurgiev has a bad start, they're like, he's our number one guy. It doesn't he, make he sense He doesn't even have me. bad starts, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, because he's playing well. Yeah. But I just think they should both be playing more. Like, yeah. I, I don't get why this is playing out the way it is, but... Um, you know, it's it's obviously working, so you can't fault them. But yeah, should Frank Hughes be playing more? Absolutely. Yeah. Is he going to? Probably not. He so. kind of hurt it, himself, like shot himself in the foot in those first two starts when he struggled. Mm-hmm. But his last two starts, I mean, he's been like 
He's Nails. Been, he's been he un- stopped like incredible. 47 shots in his last Oh, yeah. But granted, both starts were, I believe, against Carolina Hurricanes. So he really likes the Carolina Hurricanes. But with that said, that's so what is Vomelka. That, yeah. yeah. He really just had one bad team. start. Like he, he played yeah. one game, he got uh, gave up five goals on 27 yeah. shots. And then every other game since then, he's had a 920 or better. Yeah. And they just. It's sadly like do being not like care. a reliever in baseball where if you have one bad thing, it's going to uh, inflate your numbers. And, and that's what's happened. But no, no, I kind of still even expected more um but well we yeah. should have the issue is, the, is just wild in the preseason they're like gorgiev's the number one guy like and then we're like okay uh what's that gonna mean and then it's like holy shit he's like yeah. a true number one the, and it's hard to it's hard to knock it's hard games. to knock it dude he's got a 240 goals against average and a 929 save percentage he's nine two and one yeah i mean um, but franco's has a career 921 save percentage. like awesome. i just don't get why he doesn't i i don't know i never thought they needed to move for it but Whatever. It's working. So Gorgiev, I, I, I will fully admit I was wrong about Gorgiev. He like watching him in there, it looks like he makes stops that it's like whole like like once a game he steals a goal away from the other team. And it's it, like And he honestly and he only just, had one bad year in New York. Like yeah. it was a really bad year, but he only had one bad one. The yeah, but he never had a good year. Yeah. Some goalies <laughs> pretty serviceable though. Like yeah, again, we're talking about I don't know. Francis, like I said, career nine twenty one. It doesn't make sense to me, but I mean we're not Head coaches yeah, that have no. won Stanley Cups within the last six months. So, and it seems like we're running Probably into like yeah. maybe France is a is a backup goalie by trade, and maybe Gorgias is a starter. Reason he wasn't great that season, he was playing what every fourth fifth game because uh, there's a pretty decent goalie in front of him. So, not bad. Yeah, uh, Jake Andre's been great. Don't think you're really gonna move him. You got what you're asking for. Vanacek's been amazing. I don't think that you need to do anything except stay the course. That team is dominant. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. I, I have no. No fear in Blackwood no f- coming back. Not that I have, I have any, no, but I have no fear in in Schmied, in the Devils regressing at all. The every metric suggests that they're every bit as dominant as they've been so far. And uh, Vanacek was a guy I liked at the bottom of my roster coming into the season. It's panned out very, very well. Sorokin and Shesterkin have been, you know, pretty much as advertised. Uh, maybe I, I guess the only issue for Shesterkin has really been a lack of goal scoring, which is extremely surprising. The Rangers have struggled offensively a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised still if Shesterkin finishes the year as the number one goalie overall. Would you guys be mm. no. like, no, because it seems like he's having a down year and he has what ten wins. Um, he's already in the double digit dub club, double digit dub club. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think it's just a matter of Igor's. I mean, what we're a quarter into the season here, goalies go up and down. Um, I think it's going to be Igor and Jake Ottinger fighting at the top. Yeah, I, I think he'll be up there. Um, but I do think, and I, I said this at the start of the show, for them to be like a 55-win team, whatever they were last year, like I think him, his play was a big part of that. So he's still playing really well, but like a 917, he was at a 935 last year. So that's a big difference. And obviously, like you said, the fact that he hasn't got a ton of goal support plays a factor as well. But I mean, he's got a 10-5 and five record, so he's, he's doing just fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know because goalies are voodoo. So yeah, maybe like, is he going to have a nine thirty five from here on out? I don't know. Like <laughs> to be honest with you, I think he definitely has a chance cause he's on a good team and he's going to be starting as many games as anyone else. But, uh, and he's certainly has flashed the upside. So certainly potential. And I think he has as much upside right now as he did at the start of the season. And, yeah. But granted I wasn't as high on him in the start of the season, but still <laughs> it's someone I would definitely be looking to move for if the, Manager's a little impatient on him at this point. Vili Huso uh, basically started out splitting time with Nedeljkovic, and it's just gone completely the other way recently. Uh, they go to Huso pretty much every single night now. He's turned himself into a workhorse, and as long as he's a workhorse, I want him on my team. Um, you can move him. Uh, I don't know how much you're going to get in return. I just think that you'll be pretty content him basically winning every other game with pretty good splits. Yeah, and uh, I, I think you nailed it. Like You could move him, but I, I don't think you would get... Uh 
return in, in terms of uh, what he can give you from here on out. Yes, I, I think he's been maybe a little bit fortunate, and you know, I, I will he continue to have you know win seven to twelve starts? Probably not. Uh, the nine sixteen save percentage that feels doable for him. So yeah, I would I would agree. I think like you said, it's it's going to be a guy that you can confidently play in, in good matchups and maybe look to shelter away against the very best team in the league, but otherwise you can feel good about rolling him out there. And yes, the, the you know, the market value I don't think is there for him. So I would be holding on. That's the thing, right? Like he's kind of like the perfect number three goalie where you just kind of play the matchups. Yeah. If he's got a good one, maybe you sneak him in ahead of your starter. Like here's the teams that he's lost and struggled to this year. The Kings gave up five. The Bruins gave up five. The Rangers gave up eight. Those are three playoff teams, three very good teams. The rest of the teams that they've played against, when they're playing against mediocre to you know, below average teams, he's winning and he's posting great numbers. So the Red Wings are probably slightly above average. And when they're playing teams that are kind of middling, they have a pretty good chance of getting the victory because huso has been dynamite. Yeah. Martin Jones. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, grew hours back and Jones uh, is their I can't starter. believe we're sitting here in 2022 talking about Martin Jones. All you had Being to do is, awesome. Yeah. All, like better than he's ever been. All we all they needed was someone who could stop a puck and and it's Martin Jones. It's the guy who should be playing beer league, but yeah. He has a 9.13 save percentage, 2.3 goals against him. It's worth mentioning the he has had to start. They don't have anything else for one. The Kraken are a much better team than they were a season ago. Um hilariously enough though they're not like as good defensively as they were last year like last year they were like the one of the best defensive teams in the league they're still very good they're top 10 this year so they're doing the they're doing them favors but i mean if you could get anything for martin jones like yeah i I think it's you know he's probably a guy that i mean i'm not looking at his own percentage right now but he's definitely still widely available out there i think actually that's how you got yari was someone picked up martin jones yeah there you go i think 68 percent okay well there you go so not Maybe not widely available, but um, yeah, like I, I don't think there's really much trade value there. Um, so I don't know how much we need to talk about him. I think he's going to be pretty similar to Huso, though. Like, so if anything, he's a little bit underrated. So if he is out there on, on free agent still mm-hmm. and you do need a little bit of help, like he can help you. And just like Huso, it can be a, that third or fourth goalie for you where you can play him in better matchups. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> he was bad for about four or five years in a row yeah, there, uh, where MJ he was just consistently in an 896 or a 900 save percentage. And even to be, when to be he was exact from 2019 to yeah. 2022, he had an 897 save percentage. Yeah. And then like his value, even at his peak was the fact that he was a workhorse on a good San Jose Sharks team, right? Like his save percentage was never much better than league average. So, um, the nine thirteen, like that's kind of where he was topping out at in his, his peak years in San Jose. So I would think that, you know, that's probably his ceiling. So he's not going to be a guy that's going to win you splits, but a guy that could pick you up wins. Uh, and good matchups and hopefully not ruin your splits. Definitely more of a uh, goaltender that you'd want to own in points leagues than categories leagues. But yeah, yeah he, he'll he be a product of, of a pretty good defensive hockey club. And like you said, if he just continues at a 913, yeah. his goals against will remain low because he's not facing a ton of volume and not facing a ton of quality, and he'll get a decent amount of wins for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that's scary, um, I've kind of referenced it a few times, Philip Grubauer came back today from injury. Um, that's why Jones got those starts. I mean you don't pay a goalie $6 million to, to put, to put baby in a corner and put him on a bench. You might, if he's uh, got an yeah, or 88 over two years. If you're Edmonton, it. you might too. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of, uh, we're kind of, we could be watching something yeah. like that, but no, I do think that, um, like as, as great as Martin Jones has been half the reason he's here is because there's been nothing behind him. Um, 
another goalie that we referenced, Magnus Helberg, was there. And you could argue that a healthy day, but, yeah. Grubauer in 2022 also qualifies as nothing behind him. Oh, so. yeah. But I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah obviously. Like he just they, might steal starts. And, yeah, you know, we'll yeah, see what happens there. I think he'll get some opportunities, and if he outplays Jones a little bit, then they'll definitely, you know, I think it would be like a hot hand scenario, but mm-hmm. we haven't seen Grubauer have a hot hand in Seattle at all. So who knows? He's given up one goal on three shots tonight, so, so <laughs> sound the alarm. Classic Phillip. No, no. Um, Martin Jones? Martin Jones? Classic Martin. Yeah. Spencer Knight and Jordan Bennington <laughs> come out of the bottom. I don't know. You know, Spencer Knight is maybe somebody that you could trade for a pretty penny, but he's been good, and they're really good, and it seems like he's going to... My concern with Spencer Knight is they, they still seem to want to get Bobrovsky in there a ton. Well, he's getting paid the big bucks. Yeah, he's but he's been super bad yeah. in comparison to Spencer Knight. Um, he just started. That really just started, though, right? Like, neither of them were doing well until a couple of weeks ago. And Spencer Knight yeah. is, is improved uh, pretty drastically as of late. But, yeah. Um, I had Bobrovsky as as my bust coming into the season and made me look decent so far. We'll see if it continues. But I, I guess my would be my only concern with Knight. Like, I like him. Um, I think he's going to go on a very, very good team, and he's going to win you a lot of games. But it still seems like no matter how good he plays and how poorly Bobrovsky plays, this is going to be a 50-50 split. Yeah, yeah. and, I, you know, we saw that last year um, the same time, and it was almost in reverse, right? Like, Bobrovsky was maybe not to this degree, but was clearly outplaying Knight last year, and they still made a point of getting Knight 30 games. So I think that'll be pretty similar to what's happening here. And I think they just recognize that uh, while, you know, maybe one of them might be outperforming the other, like they have two goaltenders that are, are should be capable of starting goalies. And I think this is more about managing the workload yeah. for a team that is hoping to make a deep playoff run yeah. and keeping, you know, a guy like Spencer Knight fresh for that, if it is going to be Knight. But who knows? Yeah, it's there is definitely some uncertainty there because it's a situation where... One, you know, Knight doesn't have the biggest track record. Bob yeah. does in, in terms of being just terrible for months at a time and then getting back to his elite self. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a potential for this really to flip on its head. I would say week to week, this could flip in, in any given time, right? Mm-hmm. Like if Knight has a couple of bad starts and Bob has a couple of good starts, then it's going to flip the other way. But either way, like they're both going to be getting work, I think, to your point. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, caps the upside uh, and a shaky floor, too. So he's a, a scary one to own, I would say. Yeah, would you I- rather have him or Bennington rest of the season? Like they're ranked I'd neck and neck right now. I think I'd have Knight. <clears throat> I would have Bennington just because there's no competition there, and his numbers have been pretty comparable to Knight's in terms of splits the last few years. Bennington is obviously can just be one of the most frustrating goalies to own, though, because he just <laughs> seems to go through stretches where he can single-handedly just destroy your goalie categories for a week. But yeah. I, I do think the Blues are a pretty good team. Um, but, I mean, just this is Bennington's season so far. He won his first three starts. He lost his next five starts, and then he, he's on a six-game winning streak right now. Yep. So Classic Jordan. Yeah, and I think that's kind of what you can expect, but I, I would take the guaranteed starts on what should be a, uh, still a good team. Not as good in my mind, but should still be a playoff yeah. team and a competitive team. Depends it, if, if you're a risky person or not, because yeah, yeah. like you said, you know, before that six-game winning streak, Bennington's save percentage was, I believe, 878 before he came in. Now it's somewhere around 910, so um, just yeah. shows what can happen. And again, you could flip it on its head and say before the five-game losing streak, yeah, it, was it was 950 that, yeah. or whatever, right? So he's just a streaky just, guy. Yeah. The, uh, if they would have won tonight, they would have backed up an eight-game losing streak with an eight-game winning streak, which pressures. would have been hilarious. Um, they got blown out by the Sabres. Yeah, they did. Uh, but I was going to say, for Spencer Knight, I think one of the reasons why we're seeing him not get the, the major of the workload, it's almost like when you watch young pitchers in baseball and they're getting... This guy's just all about baseball. It's all, it is, it's all metaphors, boys. <laughs> but no, it, it, it's kind of like an innings workload. This guy has only ever played in 33 games. That, that's his career high since we've kept hockey DB stats. 
<laughs> so he clearly has never played more than that. But um, but for a goalie, especially one that that grew up and played in the U.S. national program, they don't play as many games as maybe an OHL goaltender, where you might see 50, 60 starts in a year. Um, and at this point, twenty one years old, they don't want to push it, you know. And uh, well, yeah, and, that's kind of like what D said, right? They want to make a deep playoff run. They don't want Spencer Knight starting sixty five games and going into the playoffs yeah. when you've got Bobrovsky making ten million dollars. But a twenty one year old starting sixty five games would be awesome. To say, <laughs> I would love that. That was the top 12s at every single position so far this season. I think that this is something that we can revisit, uh, you know, maybe at the halfway point and uh, maybe again at the three-quarter point because it's interesting to kind of keep an eye on these trends and see kind of how it all shakes out over the course of the season. 20 games isn't a small sample size, but it's certainly not large either. Let's go over to D's weekend streamers. And before we do, it's just worth mentioning that because of American Thanksgiving and happy holidays to all of our American listeners, the schedule for this week is an absolute abomination. Uh, 15 games tonight. I think we got 13 games on Friday, 14. 14 games on Friday, and then 9 or 10, 11 games on Saturday. It's just nuts. So the streaming schedule is kind of a disaster. Even if you read my my streaming article on Monday, you kind of realize that it, it was a, just an absolute gong show this week. So, D, your streaming targets are going to be a little bit different this week, but hit the people with it. Yeah. So like you said, we got 14 games on Friday, nine on Saturday, and then five on Sunday, which is, you know, not a, not a super small slate in its own. Right. So, um, obviously there'll be some, there'll be some single games, kind of almost DFS targets you'll be looking at on Sunday. Um, but with there being five games, we're not going to really dig into that at all. I would say just the Kings at home to the senators in California, where the uh, Sens are on a road trip. Uh, I would think that's probably one of the best games to targets Winnipeg and Chicago on Sunday as well. And San Jose home to Vancouver, um, San, San Jose and LA, uh, specifically have a lot of options that are widely available in their top six. So those would be the two teams that I'm looking at targeting on Sunday to fill out my lineup and get those extra games. If I need, uh, to go after some skater points or skater categories, but otherwise, like Brock said, we're just going to be looking at back to backs, um, this weekend and, and looking to get you guys some solid spots, spot starts into your lineup, uh, and, you know, give you guys the information a few days ahead of time, uh, when, you know, everyone will probably be looking at this stuff on Saturday, looking at the prevent potential or probable starters. And if you got the roster spot, you can make these moves ahead of time, uh, and prep yourself and at least give yourself the option of having these strong spot starts. So, uh, I think there's something like 15 or 16 teams with a back-to-back this weekend. So I'm not going to list them all off, but I do have, uh, four spot starts in general here, which should be very, very strong. The first of which is Kevin Lankin in, in Nashville, just 4% owned. Uh, they are in Colorado on Friday um, versus Columbus at home on Saturday. So obviously we are not looking for him to get that game in Colorado on Friday. He is starting tonight. So you would have to assume they're going to be going back to Saros on Friday. Normally you see the number one starting the front end of the back-to-back, which should mean Lankin should get the Blue Jackets at home on Saturday. That'll be a very juicy start for him. There'll be uh, sizable favorites in that game. And Lankin has played well to this point in the season. He's only played four games, but he's got a 2-2 two and two record with a 9.21 save percentage and a 2.6 goals against average. Soros has brought his play around enough to where you know, it really doesn't look like there's going to be a threat to that job at all. We talked about how Soros had played so terribly uh, that there might be room for Lankin to get some more starts. I don't really think that's going to happen, but I mean, he is getting the start here, but ahead of the back-to-back where... Yeah, where he assuming... unexpectedly started tonight, which yeah. is weird. So he should get another game this weekend. There's a small chance, I guess, that they would play Soros both, but I, you know, I... With Lankinen having played as well as he is, I, I can't imagine them doing that. I think for sure Lankinen's going to get that game. Yeah, just the way that lines home. up with today, too. Yeah. You'd expect the Lankinen sandwich there. Yeah, exactly. So we should see that. Like I said, really nice spot start there. He's just 4% owned. So pretty much in all leagues, you can go out and add Lankinen to your lineup. 
Very busy slate on Saturday, but just go ahead and check out what your matchups are looking like. There's a good chance that Lankinen against the Blue Jackets might be better than what you have on your roster. Uh, Akira Schmid playing for the 16-3 and three Akira, Devils. Akira. Uh, excuse Sounds me. Like Let me fix that. The 16-4 and four New Jersey Devils. Yes. Learn how to score a goal properly. Nice. That's what I have to say about the three disallowed goals. Today. I'm going to start throwing things at you. <laughs> yeah, <just> perfect. Like... <laughs> uh, Akira Schmid is just 7% owned. The Devils, who, as everyone knows, are one of the best teams in the world, uh, in Buffalo on Friday Ever. versus Washington on Saturday. You'd prefer the Buffalo game. Probably not going to get it. I'm fine with playing a game against the Capitals on Saturday. Uh, I wish the game was coming on Sunday, the smaller slate, because you'd probably feel a lot better. It'd be you know within the top five or six starts uh, on the slate for sure. Uh, but with it, you know, with him likely getting that game and Washington on Saturday, there's a good chance you have two better options on your bench already. But uh, the Devils, like we said, have been literally the best team in hockey so far. Second best, actually, I guess, if you uh, account for the Bruins. But uh, and he's been really, really good. Akira Schmid, three appearances, a perfect three and zero record with a nine forty one save percentage and a one point three four goals against average. So very, very small sample size. But you got a guy that's played uh, really well this year. Uh, playing on one of the hottest teams in hockey. And like we said, even if he gets the Capitals at home on Saturday, uh, I would probably imagine he's going to be ranked around like the 10 to 15 start range. So there's a there's a decent... If you were ranking the starts for that night, yeah. so there's a decent chance that he's better than what you have available to you. Uh, thoughts on Akira? Are you, are you in on that? I think it's fine. He's looked pretty solid in, in you know his minimal amount of starts this year um not so much last year but no he's looked good and honestly like if nico dawes came up and started one of those games yeah. and you know playing oh, on that boy. playing on that team i would take you know i'd take beebs bonnie between the pipes in that team right now like yeah. they're they're you underestimate my up and down they're just yeah. that good yeah. yeah no i i totally agree give us uh david ayers david ayers yep uh, Semyon Varlamov, he is 40% owned, so not as widely available. But if he's on free agents, they are in Columbus on Friday, at home against the Flyers on Saturday. So either one of those starts would be a very juicy spot for Varlamov. He's got seven starts on the year, a 4-3 and three record with a 9-14 save percentage and a 2.97 goals against. Uh, I imagine the Islanders will be favorites in both of those games. Uh, so, yeah, decent decent option there as well. And then we got Aiden Hill, who's already got a little bit of airtime on the podcast tonight. He's Good 27% owned. He will definitely get a game this weekend. Uh, could be Seattle on Friday. That would be ideal. Uh, or it could be against Vancouver on Saturday. Either way, uh, I think they're both solid options. Uh, seven starts, 5-1-1 record with a 9-0-9 save percentage and a 2.5 goals against. I think if I had to rank them, I would go Lankinen versus the Blue Jackets, uh, Schmid versus the Caps, Hill versus the Canucks, and Varlama versus the Flyers. Thoughts? Yep, I'm right there. Locked up. I might, I might go Schmid above um, just because I, I do like that team in yeah. front and just the matchup. Um, but no, I think you're right there. And I think uh, I think one thing too, this year, um, even today I noticed that I, I have five goalies on one team and, and all of them are starters. But we're seeing a lot of backups playing. So you might actually have a chance to fit some of these guys in. And out of my five starters, stay only four or sorry, only one started. And so it was like, yeah. The other point I wanted to make is most of these teams are playing back-to-back Friday, Saturday. So a lot of those starters aren't going to be playing on yeah. Saturday. So there's a good chance that if you're in need of a start, um, you might not, like I said, you might not have it in your lineup because a lot of those starters are going to go on Friday night. They're going to be gassed. They're going to be rested. Uh, and you can look to get after a Lankanen, a Schmid, or a Valamov or a Hill. Uh, but that's all we got. That is it for the streamers. Like we said, just looking at the attendees, go after the Canucks, go after the Sharks on Sunday. If you're looking to steal your matchup, uh, those would be my top options. Anything else to add, boys, before we wrap up and send our, our American listeners home on a, a very happy holiday? No, I. Uh, the only thing I have to say is I'm just really happy you guys welcomed me back to the show. 
and go Canada and go Lions. Of course. We're just waiting for that uh, free, endless lifetime supply of beer that you're giving us uh, to get back on the show. And a happy Thanksgiving to all our American viewers. Feel free to send us some gravy. Gobble gobble. Peace. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.